Welcome to Baigong Radio. Today we have a special guest, Shao Jian Zhang, a seasoned professional with over 30 years of experience in manufacturing and investment. Shao Jian will share his insights on China's manufacturing industry, including its evolution and growth. Shao Jian has worked in China, Singapore, and the U.S., holding senior executive positions and advising cutting-edge manufacturing technology firms. In this episode, we discussed high-end manufacturing in China, its stages of development since the Reform Era, the rise of indigenous Chinese companies. We'll also delve into China's going global strategy, the challenges and opportunities faced by Chinese manufacturers. Do note that Shao Jian and I recorded this episode at the courtyard of our alma mater's Shanghai office, so University's Virginia's Shanghai office. So you might hear some Shanghai street sounds in the background. So let's get started. Welcome, Shao Jian. Can you introduce yourself first? Thank you, Mo, for this opportunity to have a dialogue with Colin, particularly on the Technology and industry side. My name is Shao Jian. I'm a Darden, uh, 1999. My background is really on the industry side, both on the technology part of industry,、mm-hmm. and also on the manufacturing industry in general. And、uh, I've been in this、uh, business in China, Singapore, U.S. for almost 30 years. Basically, I have been. In the supply side, manufacturing business side, consulting and investment field as well. Yeah. So we've known each other for many years, and I know you have a very accomplished career. At first, you work as a senior executive at a leading U.S. manufacturer firm, and then now you are doing investment in China, mostly China-based manufacturers, focusing on the high-end manufacturing. You're also advisors for some of the leading edge manufacturing technology firms in in. So in terms of advanced manufacture or industry 4.0, can you define what what is high end manufacturers? High end manufacturing at least two aspects very important. One is the product you're manufacturing. The second one is how you manufacture the product. Talking about the manufacturing process. And also the manufacturing equipment you are using, for example, how many robotics are you using in your manufacturing? How much advanced data science have been using in the manufacturing product? In simple term, just two aspect referring to the advanced manufacturing. You have spent decades on different industrial companies and projects in China. You have witnessed. The evolution of China's manufacturing industry. Can you give us an overview of post-reform? What were the stages of the developments of China's、uh, manufacturing industry? Yeah, this is a long-term evolution for China, starting from opening up、mm-hmm. in 1980. In that time, there's not much advanced manufacturing. Yeah, the most of advanced manufacturing probably started from、uh, 2000. From that time, a lot of Indigenous company, joint venture company,、uh-huh. as well as a foreign investment company in China, start to manufacturing a high-end product. Really, I think、uh, 2000 is is a time the Chinese industry becomes sophisticated.、Uh, so after 2000s, China start to get more sophisticated in manufacturing industry. What was the beginning, and what have you seen in recent years? We can put into ten years as one stage. So from 2000 to 2010, 
and from 2010 to 2020, this is a two quite mm -hmm. drastically different stage mm -hmm. for the China manufacturing industry. In the first few years, industry start to absorb advanced technology or somewhat manufacturing technology mm -hmm. from overseas company. By 2005, if you look at the product they produce, gradually amount to a competitive product with some other country. By 2010, it's really a critical point. At that time, China consumption of electricity actually among same as electricity consumption in U.S. is a really turning point. I can give a couple of examples as why I, I see that. One of them, when we do uh, industrial automation, having servo motor, the motion is very critical. Mm -hmm. That means your machine can have very precise movement and can do very precise assembling because I create motion control. Mm -hmm. The Chinese motion and component sales pick up very quickly mm -hmm. in 2010. That is a turning point. At the same time, by 2010, robotics application in China become very popular and the density has increased a lot compared with 10 years ago. You mentioned that initially there's more about foreign firms coming yeah. into China and then China is absorbing the technologies. What was the role of the foreign firms specifically then versus now? Yeah, this is a, a very interesting concept initially the foreign company like uh, Siemens, uh, GE, or Slider, or, or some Japanese company, and they come over, establish sales office in China. Some establish joint venture with Chinese company. So gradually, the Chinese company know how to do manufacture those product and get to understand those product. For most industry, you need a few years to digest, to learn. So that's a well period for mm -hmm. Chinese company to learn that particular industry. And you can talk about home appliance industry. Initially, they build OEM product for the overseas customer. And if you look at today for the appliance industry, it's far past that period. And by today, Guinea, higher and media, those three companies actually are top five worldwide. Oh, wow. So they're actually, by now, design your own product and way high-end product. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about washing machine, you can have 1,000 simple washing machines right now. And if you look at higher washing machine, they have five different brands, including GA plant. The GA brand mm -hmm. is the GE appliance brand. You acquired business from GE. Now they can have advanced washing machine, which is 20,000 RMB per machine. Uh, Even the worldwide, that's very high-end washing machine. I see, yeah. So what I'm saying is that in this particular home appliance industry, yeah. one might argue the Chinese manufacturer actually is in a very advanced phase. So they are very dominated, and, even the top tier market. Yeah. So, during that period, right, there's different narrative about it. Now, given the dynamics, some people carry intellectual property theft, which is more extreme. And some milder term is forced technology transfer. Some people call it friendly ways, just learning 
joint mm, venture, mm, right? Mm. Collaborating. Mm. So what exactly happened during that period for Chinese firms that are catching up or learning from the Western firms? This is obviously a sensitive topic. Different people have different experience, and then they have different data information. Might have different conclusion. I have participated in both sides of the business. My understanding, this is really a marketing force.、Mm-hmm. It's part of economic activity in the sense. Initially, when you want to sell product, when you like to localize. You have to work with your supplier.、Mm-hmm. If you work with your supplier, you have to share certain information with them. So gradually, they understand how to do it. Not necessarily directly copy your product, but at least the exposure. You have some technology or know-how overflow. So this is a more normal way of knowledge inside gradually spread. In a、mm-hmm. market, and that's number one. Number two is that when some advanced product is sold in certain market, then user have better experience, user have better knowledge,、mm-hmm. and those knowledge can be accessed by manufacturer, and their technology team can develop new product based、mm-hmm. on the custom feedback and the custom information.、Mm-hmm. So. If you have one product, you do two to three iteration. Then by the third one, more or less, your product pretty good. Yeah. So we should now consider knowledge IP state. It should be evolving. Right. And if it's evolving, for many business, we don't really care. People copy our two three years generation、mm-hmm. product as as long as we are. Innovating ourselves, but obviously, and bad apple everywhere. Some of the Chinese company copy other Chinese company as well. That's more generic problem we have. So generally, it's more about market dynamics that leads to the evolution and growth of the suppliers, right? That's a pretty pretty heavy influence. Is that's. Part、right. of the competition dynamics, making your product better every day. So then, the the further question is that, since you have seen manufacturers in other countries, in the catching up countries, right? Other countries are also doing catch ups. Was that particular that China's manufacturers catch up faster than other less developed countries? Yeah, of course,、uh, China. For quite few reasons, we can talk briefly. Has been most、uh, rapidly advancing country in terms of product innovation. At least the two, three factor I can think of. One is the huge market. When you have a huge market worldwide, everyone come to your market to play.、Mm-hmm. So if I talk about appliance industry, every major white appliance company was in China in some time. So. I can also talk about power distribution business. You can have Slider, you can have GE, you can have Siemens, you can have everyone join. Then the knowledge they bring over is is best, and you can see every technology. So because that, you have exposure, so you can innovate much faster. You have more knowledge. That's number one.、And、also, just because China also have a large. Engineering talent pool,、uh-huh. so that's that's very critical when you like to、uh, do 
new product introduction or yeah. development. The third one is really the manufacturing supply chain because supply chain is so fast and that's three of them. Now, of course, in China, and, uh, in the past 20 years, we do have a lot of money supply. So capital yeah. was not an issue. The three reasons you mentioned, right? First one, having a big market and also making the market open is driven by you know, the government's policy directions. Second one, education is also partly driven by education policy yeah. of China. Yeah. But yeah. third one, building up this manufacturer supply chain and ecosystem, how was that achieved? It sounds like it has to be driven by the government to have industrial policy that nurtures different part of the ecosystem of the supply chain. Yes, in, in certain degree. Yeah. Uh, let me just use uh, power distribution equipment business. Initially, you have a state control design institute. Right. They open it up for foreign company to come over. Then they encourage foreign company to work with the local manufacturing company or with design institute. And so open the market up, that's number one. Now also the government encourage in school and have this kind of education as well. We have a, a lot of university offer courses, mm -hmm. bachelor degree, master degree, PhD degree on those subjects. The third one, because they need a lot of power, electricity, yeah. so government supports the growth of the industry as well, in terms of money, in terms of resource. That certainly play a very important role in uh, advancing this particular industry. It's kind of fascinating now to think about mm -hmm. it. From my point of view, I'm an outsider to mm -hmm. the manufacturing industry sector in China. But in recent years, we heard that China actually has the most complete supply chain across 200 sectors. That's very competitive in that sense. So now that China has caught up with the global manufacturing standard, what other industries China leading? Yeah, that's a lot of one. Uh, today, people talking about foreign company like Volkswagen working with Chinese company in EV and EV battery. And uh, not only uh, working with Chinese company in China, actually bring the Chinese technology or product mm -hmm. back to US and Europe. Has been so many high profile cases, so I, I, I think I don't, need to mention. So certainly these two areas China is needing worldwide. And even on the robotic side, mm -hmm. China is making quite a huge progress mm -hmm. on industry robots and also on some of the collaborative robots as well. And two, three years ago, people talking about the human robot. Mm -hmm. And that's one area China is still doing very good. That's probably three category of areas Chinese company is doing very good. One is really some of the industry in the past 20 or 30 years, uh, a lot of those industry migrate out mm -hmm. from US or Europe mm -hmm. to Asia. So China keep doing innovating in those areas. So right now there are leading uh, country in those areas, like some of the material, and like fiber, and that's number one category. The second category, of course, is all about home appliance and also about some small consumer electronics product. Mm -hmm. And those products, Chinese company is doing very well. And the third one is probably a lot of industry component, like electromechanic device, China has been doing very good. 
anything that you think from a Westerner perspective is unknown, but it's already very advanced in China. One of them I can yeah. think of is 3D printing. China has been doing very, very good. In Europe, you have Siemens and a couple of companies doing very good. In U.S., of course, GE has been doing very good. But China has been a huge force in 3D area. That's both consumer 3D printing and industrial 3D printing. Sorry. Yes, you have those plastic home use for toys yeah. or for medical application but also for high-end titanic material and for the engine parts, for those uh, drone components. Got it. Now that Chinese companies and manufacturers have built a lot of advanced manufacturing capacity, we're also hearing the theme of going global. We know that part of them is due to the change in trade policy globally, right? There's some hurdle for China manufacturers or you export their product directly. But other than that, what kind of going overseas strategy have you seen? Yes, uh, quite a few reasons. Uh, what you mentioned is one uh, important factor to consider why you have to go overseas to set up uh, not only business channels for sales, also probably setting up uh, production capability uh, overseas. The second one is really some industry you need close to the market. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to constantly work with your customer, your application engineer need to work with their designer. So in that case, having a sales channel is not sufficient. You need to co-locate in the same city. This is a very important factor for a lot of industry, particularly you are talking about advanced manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So this is obviously the second one. The third one uh, is really for supply chain consideration. Mm -hmm. Some products are not meant to travel long. I, I was talking to you about uh, a moment ago, 3D printing. Mm -hmm. For 3D printing, the material powder, these powder are very heavy. So if you produce powder in China, move to US, Europe, that's not going to uh, make the business case. So you have to set up factory in Europe or U.S. to supply those powder directly and to your custom base. Mm -hmm. Percentage-wise, how many of the manufacturers you've seen are, are considered going overseas? Is that a broader trend or is it say It's a widespread phenomenon right now. And most of people I met when they grew up business to maybe just a hundred million maybe they start consider what they do initially, set up some sales channel. And gradually, they need to consider where they need to set up office in other country and then the manufacturing capability as well. At the very high level, I think it makes sense. Right? We are seeing high inflation in many countries. That speaks to a short of supply and definitely not. And then China itself has a low inflation rate. And we have a lot of abundance of capability and supply. So at a very high level, if China's oversupply can be used to address the short of supply in the inflationary countries, then both sides will win. Benefit. I'm quite positive about this thesis. We just need to let the countries and all these trade organizations sort out how to play that, given the current political dynamics. 
But but what's your view? Yeah, certainly, I, I think when when you listen to what Musk was talking, he always talking about in China how people are diligent, working, uh, go business, start business. That's one important factor because we have so many businessmen, entrepreneurs want to do something. So you almost have oversupply and capability. That's very culturally important effect. And in some other country, you might not have this kind of phenomena. So that's number one. And number two, those entrepreneur kind of spirit, really, if you gave chance, they can also play important role in other country. Mm -hmm. That's what I was talking about. Not just exporting goods to other country. And go to other country, work with local people, mm -hmm. like doing uh, some JV. Mm -hmm. So it's like many years ago, mm -hmm. a multinational company, one Hong Kong or Southeast Asia Chinese, come to China, doing business in China. Not only they're making money, they also benefit local development. Now is the time for the Chinese company business go to other country, do JV, do business, making some money, and helping local economy. That's the, I would say, the hopeful prospect yeah. to integrate with the local economy and help them build it. There's many mm. hurdles that this global Chinese entrepreneur have to get over before mm. doing that. So let's switch to a more sensitive one. So I've been tracking the developments of consumer markets and internet markets in China, as well as the financial mm -hmm. markets. Mm. Overall, it's been not recovering as fast as expected, went through some setbacks during the COVID years. What have you seen for China's manufacturers in the last few years? Is it the same directions that we see in consumer markets or is it different? Obviously, consumer confidence or sentiment will reflect on the B2B manufacturing. So that's a huge issue for quite some time. I guess for a lot of manufacturing company, they probably still need a little bit of time to digest uh, mm -hmm. the current situation right. and probably need some time to figure out what to do, uh, whether they can have a better year for uh, 2024 or they're making some big investment or they're starting some new business or they do more international business yeah. as well. So that's a few things that people are considering and but it needs some time. But we see that the government is shifting its policy towards encouraging advanced manufacturing, right? Even more so this since last year. How is that shift boost the morale and the growth of okay. these sectors? Do uh, you see the impact of that? I, I thought uh, that would offset some of the performance in the consumer end. Yes, yes, for certain segments, uh, if it's under government policy, which encourages them to develop faster, making more investment, mm -hmm. certainly people are putting more effort in that, particularly in the early stage. Yeah. Research, development, new product development. Those, those are certainly, you can see 3D printing, and some advanced robotics, yeah. and a lot of new energy industry, nascent battery, mm. solid battery and semi-solid battery. In those area you can see a lot of startup company, large company making innovation. Certainly that has been very strong. But other than that, for the, the business to grow, and 
still uh, depends on the, the whole market mm -hmm. recover. Otherwise, uh, those uh, innovations is not going to bring a lot of revenue mm -hmm. for the current year. So those are really future. So the government's policy is more on fostering investment in the short term, not keeping them alive and keep the confidence. Or create demand for yeah. their product, which yeah. really should come from consumer market, then flow over to B2B. So that's the internal constraint. We'll talk about another highly debated questions. Chip sanctions, right? We don't have to talk about how China reacts, but in advanced manufacturers, chips matters, right? You need a lot of chips for automation. So was the Chip Sanctions, Chips Act creating challenges for non-AI industry? This has been an interesting discussion. Actually, worldwide, there's a shortage of semiconductor product, which in 2018 was not really because political issue, just a global short supply. So in right. that period, the whole advanced manufacturing industry has been hit very hard. And you're talking about some PLCs controller mm -hmm. for the robotics, for the industry equipment. And you need six months or seven months uh, need time. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge issue for China in 2018. But talking about the semiconductor shortage because uh, geopolitical consideration, most of uh, industry controller or semiconductor are not so mm. advanced. You, you don't need a GPU uh, to do a normal PLC control. So it's not that bad. This is great overview of the evolution of China's manufacturing sector. You have worked with both global firms and uh, local firms. What would be your advice to global investors and global business that are looking into investing and doing business in China's manufacturing sectors going forward? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of uh, medium-sized and large uh, multinational companies have been benefit from doing business in China for a, a lot of aspects. They can continue or should continue working in China, developing new product, leverage the China capability, supply chain, and engineering, also advanced technology. And because you have exposure to worldwide technology in China. So mm -hmm. if you are earning from Europe, one country, there's no better place to have access to technology from worldwide. So that's number one. Number two is a so good place to do new product introduction mm -hmm. because supply chain and as well. The third one is really a totally new area. Mm -hmm. It's working with Chinese company in other country and also their home country as well. This is a new challenge and a new opportunity. But for the smaller company and also might be some company from Southeast Asia and Latin American or the African, it's really how to play the China card because China has so much resource. Mm -hmm. It's like your backyard. How to leverage this resource, make your product business competitive, is so obvious uh, a card where you like to play or not. So I was in Singapore a couple of months ago. I was talking to quite a few person locally. And yeah, I was thinking about the leverage China resource build a GV business in Singapore, 
or maybe factory in Malaysia or Thailand mm -hmm. or Indonesia. We are experiencing an inflection point in terms of how we perceive and work with China's manufacturer industry. It has grown to a level where it can climb up the supply chain and creating more value both domestically and globally. On the China side, I think Chinese government and the Chinese company are also trying to figure out how to deal with this new reality. Global investor and global business also have to learn about this new reality and how to take advantage of it. Yeah. This is a very interesting period and thanks Saojian for sharing your insights. Nice talking to you. I yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Thank, Thank you. you.